Welcome to the Get in the Fight podcast. My name is Nate Whitson, and I'm the founder of Get in the Fight Ministries and our exclusive online fight club for Christian men. Everything we do here is dedicated to helping Christian men become the men that God meant for them to be. So if you're looking for helpful content and conversations that can help you to grow and become the man that God made you to be, then you're in the right place. But before we get started, please do me a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. Doing that helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our mission and how to get involved or how to join the Fight Club, then head on over to getinthefight.club, that's getinthefight.club, and learn more today. But without further ado, it's time to get in the fight, so let's go. I'm just going to edit this part out because it said like... Leave, leave it in. This is what the people want to see. This, this is the struggle. Is the two Nates <laughs> struggling on interview number one. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is a super exciting day for Get in the Fight Ministries because <clears throat> my friend Nate, who has an amazing name, is an amazing guy, is my very first interview podcast, which is exciting. And Nate, this is exciting for us because Nate has been like super encouraging and helpful for me in this journey, in particular with just saying, hey, man, you should do this podcast and making this happen and then also helping me navigate through it. So I'm super excited to have this very first one with my friend here. I'm really excited for you guys who don't know him to get to know a little bit about him and, and hear his heart and hear some of the wisdom that he has on this. But today we're going to talk about anger which makes me so angry that this is the first one we're talking about. It's not true. I'm pretty happy about it. But yeah, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Um, so we'll get into that here in just a second. But one quick, I think, funny story for you all. Nate might already know where I'm going with this to start this off. But what people like if you most of you listening to this, this is probably like just my mom so far. What's up, mom? Actually, she probably doesn't listen. What up, Charlotte? I'm angry about that too. We'll talk about mom anger later. I'm sure. <laughs> Not just teasing. It's probably just people that know us for the most part, but who knows where this is going to go, right? But if you don't know Nate and you don't know our relationship, then this will be kind of funny. Nate is how much younger? I think about nine years younger. Nine years younger than me. And when I was playing high school basketball, I had a good game once. And. <laughs> people lined up to get my autograph which is really funny just in and of itself when you're just playing small town basketball and mm. all that but we had just like an amazing community and nate was one of those young guys <laughs> that lined up afterwards to get my autograph mm. so nate you want to just tell a little bit of that story from your perspective yeah. what that looked like uh-huh so uh, this was the mid 90s <clears throat> and a young kid watching a bunch of dudes that seemed like giants play basketball and it, just the time and place when it happened, you know, like for, for like the lineups, they would have like a spotlight. I remember a couple of times. And so it just seemed like such a grand event. And I mean, Nate was a stud. He'll be very humble about it. He was a stud at basketball. And I just, you know, when you're kids, you just look up to these guys. And I remember after a game, the only hat I had on was a, I just called it as a Michigan battle cats baseball cap. And it was, that's like a semi-pro team down on Battle Creek that doesn't even exist anymore. And I just remember like, I just remember, you know, him signing it with his number on it. And I held on to that for years. And I remember he was also like a chaperone at like a summer 
summer recreation camp for me. And I would always want to sit next to him and, and eat sandwiches. And it's funny as, because uh, we're involved in the same community and he, he grew up when the college went off, but then like came back to the same town. And I, at that point I was in high school and we we're both involved in church and in the same churches. And just over time, <clears throat> as you get older, the age kind of doesn't really matter anymore. You know, it's like, I'm 37. I'm not a kid anymore. And uh, Nate's like 65. And so like that age range doesn't matter as much. And over time, you, we realized, wow, we have a lot of commonalities based on our family backgrounds and we're, you know, brought up in the same town and we have the same kind of humor. And so it, it goes from not to say that Nate's not a mentor of some sort, but the relationship has become so much more mutual where age doesn't even the concept of age has no play in our relationship. And so it's been a, it's been a very mutually beneficial relationship and very easy. He's one of the few guys in my life where having a relationship is super easy mm -hmm. and he's been very intentional with me, which is something I've always craved. It's just like somebody being intentional and it's like, wow. All right. So it's, it's been a, it's been a fun journey for 20, you know, heck almost 30 years now. Yeah. That's <laughs> wild to say, isn't it? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great lead in really to all this. But yeah, it's that's just kind of a funny starter for you guys that don't know us, no. or maybe even those that do that would think that's funny too. <laughs> that I was giving Nate an autograph. He still don't let him fool you. He still has that hat, and I bet he wears it secretly, which is kind of cool. But in uh, glass case, yes, <laughs> right. No, it's so cool to have have Nate on here. I've watched Nate grow from that kid that was just this young kid where the age difference was different at that point. And he's just this young guy getting autographed from me in high school. And I'm in high school and he's just a young guy to really just being an incredible, just an incredible human being, just an awesome mm -hmm. father, just loves his kids well, loves his wife really well. Super talented. Nate has just these really unique talents, like where he can build a house he built this room actually that i'm filming that i'm filming this in here for us and just served us really well and he can do you know computer work and he can work with cameras and plays drums just really super unique and amazing gifts and talents and then beyond that he's a learner he's a student and um he does some incredible work i just want to read this little short bio that i forced him to send to me the cringe um, part, yeah. The cringe part of this. <laughs> but I want you, if you're listening to this, to just know that this is beyond just a friend of mine that we just happen to love each other and get along great. It, it is much more than that. Like Nate said, it's much more mutual where I just so appreciate our conversations. Nate will come over and it's one of my favorite friends to just come over and just hang out. And many times, actually, a lot of this podcast that you're listening to here is kind of birthed out of he and I just saying like, I think these conversations could be so helpful. I wish other people could just have conversations like this. Neither of us today will try to fool you into thinking that either of us have some kind of wisdom, you know, that's like, wow, people need to hear what I have to say. We don't mean it like that. I guarantee yeah. you that, <laughs> but, but we just feel like the conversations are, are life giving. And that's really what the hope for this podcast is. Uh, this would be life giving. And we just talk about all kinds of things that are helpful for us because we're a mess. And we're like, oh, man, we need each other for this. And that's really what getting the fight ministry is really about is like, let's gather men that want to fight for 
being more of the husbands and fathers and men of God that, that we really want to be what we struggle to be. So mm-hmm. I need to get into this conversation here, but again, real quick, Nate is an organizational development consultant. I'm not even smart enough to read that sentence. Organizational <laughs> development consultant for the state of Michigan department of transportation. He is the father of two kids, Maya, who is six and he wrote Josephine, but we call her Jojo. Mm-hmm. It's very, like very formal Josephine, but that's her name. <laughs> She's three. Yes. At least at the time of this writing, she was three. He's been married for 11 years. That's how old Nate is now. 11 years married to Kayla, who's awesome. He's an undergrad double major mm-hmm. in Bible theology and interpersonal and organizational communications. He's got a master's of business administration with a focus on organizational development and consulting. He's got a coaching certificate in emotional intelligence, a certified change practitioner. He's certified in lean and project management, and he's a DISC certified instructor. I I asked him to send that to me. He was like, dude, we don't have to do that part of this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Nate. (laughs) But I love it. I mean, I was just saying to you that, you know, he's very talented in a wide range of things. When you look at that, it double major in Bible theology and interpersonal and organizational communications. Nate excels at that for the state, but he uses it in different areas of his life too. We talk a lot, just he and I, about emotional intelligence and conversations to help us as dads and men in different areas. And so again, I just, I want you that are listening to know that, yeah, he's my friend and I'm just very fortunate for being surrounded by guys like this Every once in a while, people say nice things about me, but I'm telling you, it's if there's good in me, it's it's Christ first, but it's Christ that does that through just incredible friendships like this one with Nate. So, Nate, let's jump into this now that people know you're smart and talented, and obviously yeah. they see the video, so they know you're good looking too. This is going to be incredible for people. I feel really good about yeah. this. Yeah. I'd ask Nate, I'm like, Hey, what do you want to talk about? Like, what's a, what's just a conversation that's on your heart and mind. And he had said, let's talk about anger. And and I know a little bit of maybe some of the book that some of the things that maybe have inspired him. I'm really anxious to hear some of his thoughts here, but I'll just kind of kick it off here with a, a definition that I found that I thought might be interesting. Nader. I don't know if this is like the official definition of anger. That- yeah, that's the thing. And just a disclaimer, yeah. in case my anger does come through, I have two wild child kids that are just chomping at the bit. So just the, it, that's the noise you hear. At least from this side, I don't hear it, just so you know. Okay. Perfect. But when they burst through and you beat them on camera, <laughs> we're going to learn yeah. a lot of things. Yep, yep. This would be like a great demonstration of either how not yep. to or how to. Yep, yep. I can't how to bounce to back. <laughs> I can't wait to see which one we get. All right. So here's a, here's a definition that I pulled out that I thought was like interesting. And I guess I'll throw this out to you and I'll I'll just lead it to you. Like, what do you think when you hear this? Okay. Sure. Anger is an emotion characterized by antagonism that is towards someone or something where you feel like they have deliberately done you wrong. Yeah. Like when you hear that, what what do you think of that? Yeah. I, I think that's a pretty good, you could, you could, antagonize is a good word deliberate is a key word i i tend to use the word you feel violated Mm -hmm. right so another 
definition I use that I think is saying the same thing is something or someone has violated you. And the violation is usually with the assumption of it was deliberate. And so one of the reasons like Nate brought up or alluded to, I'm going through a book that is kind of rocky in my worldview, especially as a Christian. But then I'm also at the same time learning more and more about emotional intelligence, which is perfect timing. And so, yeah, so, so anger, we have a lot of practice with anger as human beings. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we have almost credence or, or there's like a, a, a wide acceptance of the emotion. It's something everybody can relate to. It's something that's easily accessible, readily available, and oftentimes promoted as something that should be good for motivation, good for solution making, but not to be excessive. There's kind of a myth that we've inherited just by default is anger is not bad, but it is an excess. And that is something that I've been, as I've been reading, as God's been revealing through through scripture, through through my community and, and through my learning of emotional intelligence is that needs to be challenged. Hmm. Yeah, and so more, that's say that, more about that. Where have we accepted it in a way that's not appropriate, maybe, or what I don't know what the right word is there, but yeah. So again, with with almost anything, you could lose your sobriety with emotions. And so as Christians, we want to make sure that we are sober-minded, that we have self-control. As Paul says, we want to beat our flesh into submission because our bodies will intrinsically feel things that direct our thoughts and our behaviors. And half the time, and again, that's kind of an arbitrary number, but a lot of the times it, we, we end up somewhere we don't want to be. in mm -hmm. anger, you know, my assertion is anger hardly ever gives us what we're really wanting. And so the myth is that, and, and we use scripture, we use Ephesians 4, and that, that's kind of like the, the crux of my argument and what I've read is in Ephesians 4, it says, you know, be angry, but do not sin. Mm. And people love to stop there, but that's like half of the verse. It says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And then they also look at when Jesus flipped the tables. Jesus was clearly angry and he was clearly God. And if we're to be like Christ, well, then there we go. We have an example of where we can have righteous anger. And, <clears throat> you know, we, we forget to, to include that, like, oh, that's Jesus who is God, who can handle anger. And he was actually flipping the tables of people who represent us. <laughs> like it can desecrate the home of God, the temple of God. And we often do before coming to Christ and, and even while we're at Christ. So it's not to show us, here's how to do righteous anger. It's here's how God feels towards sin. And we can't handle that kind of anger. Only God can. Anger is never easily satisfied. It's always hungry. And so that's the danger. It's like, do you really want to risk? Because it says, don't let the sun go down your anger. All right, well, then I'm going to wait till 1159 to calm down. It's just like, that's not, that's not what it's saying. It's saying as soon as possible, get rid of that anger because Ephesians 4, the whole point of Ephesians 4 is about unity. He, he's saying, be gentle with each other, be loving, be gracious, mm. bear with one another. You can't put your arm over somebody that you're really angry with. Like it's just incompatible. And so what I found is all these kind of mandatory characteristics of what a, a church member is supposed to be. Again, church members be gracious, gentle, kind, patient. 
again, bearing with one another in love. Anger is a pry bar between all those characteristics. Mm. Like you can't be angry with somebody or at somebody or at something and be all those things at the same time. You just can't. Once yeah. you get over your anger is when those things start to kick in. And that's when I say, well, then then why even why really fight for anger? Like why make it something that it's not? It's not beneficial when you get really angry. And here's the thing is it, it feels righteous when, when a wrongdoing occurs. I always use extreme examples because they hurt. You know, when you see on the news, kids dying, kids in a school shooting, the most appropriate feeling seems to be anger. Yep. Yep. It, it seems to be like that's, there's, that's, that's proportionate. That's the proper response. It's context sensitive. And again, if we're using the definition of, of something or someone has deliberately violated you or has antagonized you, again, this is from a third party watching the news. What exactly am I angry at? I'm angry at kids dying. Okay. One, it, this, this may come across weird at first, but one, I, I personally wasn't violated. Right. And again, that's the biggest trap is we will borrow anger from our other parties because it feels appropriate. I wasn't personally violated, but humanity was. The idea that like this could happen to my kid makes me angry. But in the middle of my anger, I'm not praying. Like I really am not. It's once my anger subsides, do I do things that are productive? And, and again, anger, you can't prevent yourself from getting angry. It happens, but you can you can work on how well do you bounce back and get rid of it. That's That's all I'm just asserting is, we can't think we can hold on to anger and do good things and be sober minded because it's never full. It's never satisfied. It always wants more because it's predicated on somebody or something owes me now. That's a big part of because I lost some bit of control. This person lost a little bit of control and anger is trying to fight back for that control. And from the beginning, you see in Genesis. Like these, like Adam and Eve, right? The picture of Adam and Eve biting the apple of the knowledge of good and evil. God's like, you can't handle that knowledge because that knowledge now says you have a say over what should be just, what should be unjust, what's good, what's bad. And you could see very easily, like we're not good judges of that. We have to relinquish that to God. And so anger is also a trust issue with God. I'm angry. I'm violated. Therefore, I have, you know. Something needs to be done. Yes, of course. But do we trust God is ultimately good and God is a good judge? Mm -hmm. God is a good God. He will bring justice. And so I think there's a lot that comes into play, especially as a Christian, that we need to consider when it comes to anger. And what exactly are we holding on to? Like what benefit do we think we're giving up when we when we say anger really isn't that profitable? Yeah. Hey, guys, I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. And if you are, please do us a huge favor and be sure to subscribe click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. It only takes a few seconds to do this, but it makes a huge difference for us, and it helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Thanks so much for listening and helping us out. Now back to the show. Yeah, that's really good, Nader. There's a lot to, that we could unpack there. Like, It makes me, I guess, wonder, number one, is it bad to feel that way? Is it bad to feel anger as a Christian? I can think of a lot of men that are part of this ministry, just friends and 
people that we know, myself included, <laughs> you know, like you yep. gave a great example. I don't think, and sadly, it's not extreme anymore. When we were kids, school shootings were extreme yep. and they're weekly almost now. I mm -hmm. see it though. I do feel anger. Is that a bad thing? Does God feel anger at that stuff? How does he feel? Would you think like, what do you feel like scripture says to us there? that he feels mm -hmm. maybe are we supposed to mirror that like what comes to your mind i guess there yeah it's it's tough because god is not human right but he created us to experience emotions and so he does want to relate to us and so when we say what we do is we oftentimes ascribe human understanding and we place it onto god right it's kind of like anthropomorphic like how else can i conceptualize a god who's personal and not do that because God is is kind of unfathomable in some in most senses for sure. And so, does He experience anger? Yes, I, I would assume so, or at least scriptures indicate that He does. Yep. He's the He's the ultimate creator, but He has, if you could think about it, He has ultimate self control. He has He in His essence, He is love. So somehow, He's able to be angry and fully loving at the same time, and that's where we lack. We we can't do that. We have to, like, I'm not saying that, like, in the midst of you being angry, you can't can't do some loving thing. But it's oftentimes the case where that anger subsides, then you move on to things that are productive. And so feeling angry, in some sense, is the, the effect of sin. Because, like I said, it, it is a way of trying to wrangle back some sort of control. So, like... Anger is a secondary emotion. It's not a primary, but the way we experience it, we would assume it's a primary emotion. Mm -hmm. What happens is a primary emotion is often attached to anger, which is a secondary emotion. So like fear, sadness, loss, losing something, those are primary emotions and they make you feel vulnerable. They make you feel, or, or they remind you, you aren't in control. Mm -hmm. And we have some control in our lives, in the home, with our kids, but we, we know ultimately we really don't have full control. And so when things happen, when we lose a, a spouse, we lose a friend, there's a breakup, somebody steals something from us, or how about this? <laughs> as stupid as this can be, some people, when they get scared, instantly get angry. Me. Why would you do that? Me. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's funny. Like my, my wife, I, she's too, like, I'll just walk and she'll like jump like a cat. But isn't it weird how sometimes somebody just jarring you, which is fear, right? You, you get scared. Fear is quickly turned into, we have like a habitual process where we go, I'm going to cover up that fear with anger. It's because that fear of being scared for a split second, you didn't have control. Mm. <laughs> like somebody did something to you. And so we don't often take the time to just think about why did I get angry? Because I got scared really quick. Yeah. Like, it's so accepted. Anger is so accepted. And so what I was saying is a lot of times anger is co-opted into a primary emotion. And anger, it's not bad that you experience anger because you can't help it. But the goal is when you when you increase your emotional intelligence or you increase your self-awareness, and I use this term a lot, when you beat your flesh into submission where you're telling your mind and your body, this is the way we need to think about these things now. You first have to understand what's going on and what triggers you. You don't hang on to that anger. You quickly understand where it's coming from and where it's taking you because all emotions are a tool. 
but we just can't assume these tools are all properly calibrated, yeah. right? That's why anger is too widely applied in our lives and thus widely accepted in society is anger is rarely ever like needed. Hmm. But whether it's from family upbringings that we've learned habitually that we haven't challenged kind of these thought processes or just watching the news too much. If I watch the news or you scroll through YouTube and they have these shorts now that everything happens at five seconds at a time, I find myself looking at clips of politicians and finding my blood pressure rising up and yeah. it's addicting because I'm like, Ooh, I like how this feels. I like feeling angry, but I'm not, it's not like I'm thinking I'm, I like feeling angry. I like these sensations my body's going through because it's a strong, emotional, powerful feeling that gives you the idea that you're gaining control somehow. Mm. And when you send us, when you send a link to somebody and this happens all the time, somebody sends a link. Can you believe this? Check this out. Oh my gosh. So ridiculous. Joe Biden, Trump, blah, blah, blah. What you're doing is you're affirming with somebody else. You're feeling connected with somebody through, through the idea of gaining control because we both feel like this now. We feel we have a grasp on what's happening in our world. Again, we're obsessed with having control, but we can't handle it. That's why God always said, like, follow me. You don't need a king. Follow me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, cling on to me. I can control. I can provide all these things. That's good. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you this, Nader, because, you, you know, you'd mentioned it. And I mentioned it in the beginning, too, that one of your certifications is in emotional intelligence. Let's yeah. pause there for a second and talk about what, how do you define that? And for guys listening to this today, like why is, why is emotional intelligence so important? It makes me think, mm -hmm. by the way, that there's the opposite of intelligent would be you know, negligence. <laughs> negligence. Okay. That's a nicer word than I was thinking. But yeah, like you, if you're not intelligent, you're dumb. And, and let's be honest, like if we don't learn what's going on under the surface, if we don't understand how I, how our emotions are working and we're out of control, like that's what it makes mm -hmm. me think. You've used the word control a ton this morning. Yeah. And I think that's really key to it. So maybe talk us through a little bit, like what is emotional intelligence and help us to see underneath the hood a little bit. Cause there, I think there are a lot of Christian yeah. men that deal with anger. I mean, oh, yeah. I do hear your kids back there. Don't get angry when I say that, but like when we, <laughs> But that's what happens, right? Like you're like, I'm just mm -hmm. trying to have a great conversation here. And all and it's just comply, 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 control. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? What is emotional intelligence? Yeah. What's yeah. going on under the hood of a man's heart right. and mind a little bit? Sure. So emotional intelligence oftentimes abbreviated or abbreviated as either EI or EQ, which is just like IQ is intelligence quotient. So it would be an emotional quotient. And an interesting thing about IQ since you talked about it, if you're not intelligent, you're dumb. Your, your IQ as a human being never changes. It's static from the time you're born. Hmm. And we equate IQ to information that you know, which IQ is actually how you process information. And so you can get a PhD, you can read every book in the world. It actually has no effect on your IQ whatsoever, hmm. is, which is interesting. Yeah, so I've never heard that. Yep. So your, your EQ, you actually can grow because it's predicated on self-awareness and creating new neural pathways in your brain. And how do you respond to stimuli? So in a nutshell, emotional intelligence is 
to what extent do you have a say over where your emotions take you? And in order to do that, the majority of the work is front loaded with building your, your self-awareness and your bodily sensations, where your mind takes you, predicting scenarios and practicing mental, mental habits. And, and, and honestly, just being open-minded. Most people who hear emotional intelligence will be like, ah, oh, that's fluffy stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear it. Liberal, all these things, you know? Mm -hmm. And what, what I found is in the middle of me understanding that anger has no profit for me in my life because it puts a barrier between me and somebody else, I also get angry at my kids on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I also get angry at my wife on a daily basis, either because you're not doing what I'm asking you to do what I think you should be doing or, or you, you've done something where you, phys I mean, my kids kick me in the family jewels on like every other day. Right. <laughs> and once I stop, you know, dry heaving, the anger kicks in. Right. Or, or I say something with, without bad intent and my wife is either having a good day or a bad day. She takes it wrong. Now we're in an argument. Now I'm, now I'm angry at the fact that we're even in an argument. I'm not even angry that you're angry at me. I'm angry because to me, this was so not unnecessary, right? So there, there are so many opportunities to be angry and where emotional intelligence has slowly and is slowly because it never stops helps me is saying, okay, what, where do I contribute in this? And that's, that is where anger serves nobody well is you focus on what others are doing to you and you forget to think about what impact have I had on that person? They need to apologize to me. Well, my goodness, can I even see far enough to see where maybe I should apologize? And so anger is very self-serving. So how that couples with emotional intelligence. And, and I think men especially, you, you can stumble across good emotional intelligence with people, but there's a lot of intentionality that, that needs to happen to really increase it. But I would say with men, it's 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 more rare because we've been taught not just in the typical masculine way of like we need to be cold hearted. We need to be very objectives based. That's the one thing for anybody listening. Me and Nate, we are talkative dudes. Mm -hmm. We were raised with a mom who had a very prominent. She was a prominent figure for better or for worse in our life and a bunch of sisters, yep. <laughs> you know, so we have our communication style can be masculine, but it has a lot of femininity to it, which just means that we're not just spouting facts and we're trying to achieve a status over the next person. We're trying to build relationships through rapport. So we want to relate to each other. I want to be, I want to listen. I want to say things that you can understand. Like my desire is to be understood by you and for you to be understood by me. And there's a lot of inherent emotional intelligence in that because you have to be a good listener. You have to understand when somebody is putting out a, a, a particular emotion and then you have to learn how to manage it yourself. And so I, I tend to rant on this because there's so much in my head about this, sure. but just going, going back to what emotional intelligence is, is are you able to manage how your thoughts and behaviors and speech are, are influenced by your emotions and are they being influenced in the way that you want to? And so if you want to increase your emotional intelligence, you're saying, I want to make sure that what I feel is appropriate, it's aligned with my values. And then from that, the way I talk, behave and think are kind of commensurate with all of that. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, it's almost like the man that I want to be. And in the fight club, we always talk about, you know, I want to be a man of honor. I want to be a man of discipline who does the hard right thing over the easy wrong thing every time. I want to be a man of strength mentally, emotionally. We talk about this. This is something we pray about every day here. I also want to be a man of joy. Those are the four qualities of the standards of man, the kind of men that we want to be. All right. So in thinking of those and what you're saying, (laughs) I sometimes get angry when I don't live up to my own expectations as well as Mm -hmm. when other people don't. And so Mm -hmm. I want to give this little caveat, a little story here, because Nate and I were chatting one day and just I really want you as a man listening to this to just kind of put yourself in the shoes of these some of these things here. But Nate and I were talking one day about a parenting issue. And so one of my kids was just frustrating me to death and kind of like, you know, they were pouty and a little bit lippy. And for whatever reason, that kind of thing that feels like disrespect to me is a trigger for sure, where I can go from zero to 60 in a hurry. And, you know, these are my baby girls. I have four girls and you would think that dads would be really soft with their kids, but it doesn't matter what gender they are. <laughs> they can fire you up. And and I think there's something where I would say as a man, I feel like if I get disrespected, you know, athletically years ago, I loved it. I would just make up stuff in my head where I thought like the other team was disrespecting me or something. And I could mm-hmm. play off of that emotion of that and be like, cool, let's go. Let's figure this out. You know, but when your kids do it, I was telling Nate about the story and I'm like, man, it just, it fires me up. And he asked me a really simple question that I want you guys to think about too, as you're listening to this. And he just listened carefully and just said, why does that make you so angry? That was the question, right? That's not like a profound question. He didn't go to school just to learn to ask why, but there was something about that questionator that I've told you this already, but just for our audience here, like, I thought that was a really important question for me and maybe for men listening to this to try to answer it. I never actually had tried to answer it because, you know, in my own head, it would just be like, well, I'm, well, my the anger, why the is, anger's justified. There you go. Yeah. And, and there would be 99% of people would probably say, yeah, that is disrespectful. And, and it was. you know, we have a culture today is kids don't get spanked enough. Kids don't have discipline enough. So if your kid talks back, the majority of parents would say that's disrespectful. You acted up in a proportionate way manner yep yeah and, and it and it is disrespectful let's just say that it was right sure. let's just say sure. that it was i think what emotional intelligence is as we've chatted through it and you mentioned this a second ago is like is my ability this isn't about anybody else this is about me mm-hmm. this is about my mm-hmm. ability to take that trigger and appropriately appropriately channel it to a place where I want to go, where it matches with my standards. So one of my standards yeah. I just mentioned is that I would do the hard right thing over the easy wrong thing every time. So a standard for me when I get triggered with anger would be that I would respond and be responsible for myself <laughs> in how I respond to that child or to my wife or to that person at work, right? Yeah. What are what are some ways that you can think of Nate, like in your practice and different mm-hmm. things that you know? Mm-hmm. What what can we do at a practical level when we do get triggered? And maybe like I don't know if you want to talk on triggers or not, but certainly you could. Yeah, like, absolutely. What are the triggers so, that men might recognize 
practically speaking? And what do they do? Like, how do we handle that? Yeah. Yeah. Disrespect is a huge one, especially perceived disrespect. Mm -hmm. And so just because you believe something doesn't make it reality, right? That's one thing. Yep. That's why having community and talking and bouncing back and forth with people of different backgrounds is vital. Agreed. Because if you're in a, if you're just talking with like-minded people all the time, you're not growing, you're just reinforcing. And that's what's happened our whole lives with anger is it's constantly reinforced. And so, so a question, you kind of said it, I say this, I say this as well, whether it's, I see my spouse getting angry or, or with myself is if I'm mad at my, my child and I'm angry, is it, is this, is my anger, my child's responsibility? No. So then why am I depending on them to do something in order for me to get rid of my anger? I'm going to stay angry until that means I'm at the mercy of my child. Yeah, that's good. And my child, as we know, what makes a child a child is you're unreasonable. You're selfish and you have no perspective or very little. Mm. That's why you need parents. We've, we've done it. And so, so many times without even thinking about it, we are relinquishing our mental, our spiritual and our self-control, like our faculties to either something or someone yep. with anger. So until you meet these criteria, I can't not be angry mm -hmm. because if, if, your kid, you know, she walks away. You guys think you sorted it out. She, she says a little comment, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Boom. There it is. She does it again. You think you're going to be like, all right, second time. I'm actually cool with it. No, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be angry. And so one, you need to ask yourself that question before. And if you can, during kind of the heat of the moment, whose responsibility is it for me to like get rid of my anger? It's not my kids. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even trust them to make dinner, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, if you, if you put things in the context of what your kid is capable of, because to me, I'm, I work from home. I, I have way more opportunities to get mad at my kids than really anybody else, which is, which is also really sad when you think about it. These kids love me. I'm like their hero. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that like, because I get angry, I'm a bad father. It's just those moments can quickly add up. Yep. And you always at the other end of it are saying like, what? It would be nice not to have to go through that. And and I remember just praying, God, just help me with my anger problem. Help me with my anger problem constantly, days, years. Help me with my anger problem. And one day, you know, my counselor's like, hey, how about you read this book? This probably is an answer to your prayer. You know, it's not like God's going to just bestow upon me a new brain, a new experience. My parents taught me how to how to handle anger, and it wasn't good because their parents had not a clue how to handle or manage anger. It's all we, we've we've learned to manage relationships and, and parenting and being married largely off of instincts. Mm -hmm. But the problem with that is, for most part, the instincts of human beings have been survival <laughs> and we're not in that phase anymore. So we don't need to be crude or rough. We need to we need to build people up now. So let me give you a quick anecdote that that you kind of had that worked for me recently. And again, the work doesn't happen in the conflict. The work happens before it. And, and some people are just not going to do put the time in. Some people are going to, and they're going to see the fruits of that. So my six-year-old is laying on the floor the other day, and my three-year-old, so my six-year-old talks a mile a minute. She's super independent. She doesn't necessarily love cuddling and all this stuff. My three-year-old does. So to a parent, to a dad, it's like, I want to be the cuddly one just seems a little cuter. Mm -hmm. So the six-year-old's just laying down 
And my three-year-old put a ballerina outfit. She's dancing around the older sister. She just loves Maya. She loves her older sister. And I watched from beginning to end. I saw Maya look up, grab her sister's leg to trip her. And Jojo, my three-year-old's head, came about this far from the corner of the entertainment system. My historical uh, reaction would have been to freaking lose it. <laughs> grab my kid, my six-year-old, who is a peanut. She's tiny for a six-year-old. Grammar. Who do you think? Do you believe? Like, I couldn't even. Before, I can't finish the sentence. I'm red hot with anger. Yep. Take her to her room. Boom. Right on your butt. <sighs> You're in here for all day. For eternity. No sobriety whatsoever. Mm. Right? Yeah. Straight instinct. Straight reaction. Nothing else besides that. What always happens either with a talk with my wife or just calm me down, I end up apologizing to my daughter because dad was a bad example on how to manage his feelings and emotions. And I overreacted that to me, anger doesn't always get you there, but it eventually will. Right. You do things that you don't mean because at the moment it feels like you now have control. And what happened is my three-year-old didn't even get hurt. She actually had no idea why dad was angry. I borrowed that from her. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be angry on your behalf. And for that split second when I almost thought you were going to hit your head, my primary emotion was fear and loss. And what I did is I co-opted that to anger because now I want to get control that I thought I lost for that split second. Boom, big emotion. So what happened this time, That so that scenario happened. I have to know all that I just said actually didn't happen. That's what normally would have happened. This time I go, all right, oh boy, breathe. Because when you get angry, you stop breathing. You stop breathing, your oxygen levels deplete, which means blood's not rushing your brain, which means your your again, your mental neural faculties are at running at bare minimum. Breathe, breathe, don't look at her because you're going to get angry. Don't show that you're angry at her because you really don't want to be angry. And I, and because I practiced this before it happened, I said, my daughter, my daughter tripped her. My daughter's not evil. My daughter has this much perspective. She didn't even think about the fact that the three-year-old was going to possibly smash her face on that. Her intent was not to hurt my three-year-old. She was impulsive because she's a child. So I said, Maya, go to your room. And she scurried off into her room. Jojo goes, Dad, what's going on? The person that almost got hurt, the, the, the object of this whole scenario was oblivious. Yep. And so what ended up happening is rather than me having to go back and apologize because Dad was a child, acted more like a child, I actually got to not apologize, have a teaching moment mm. with her. And I said, Maya B, do you know why you're in here? Because I tripped Jojo. Do you know why that was serious? She could have hit her head. I go, if she would have had a cut on her forehead, I try to, I try to, I always try to teach my kids the three steps after the consequence. If she would have, she would have got a cut on her head, right? Yeah, that would have been bad. What do you think people would have said if we went to church and saw the cut? How did that happen? Like, you know what daddy would have had to said? Maya tripped her. She goes, oh, man, she was like embarrassed. And I saw something click. 
that if I would have been pissed off, that conversation wouldn't have happened. Yeah. It would have been all about how dad was a jerk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? And now I'm able to teach my daughter something because anger didn't control the scenario. Mm. And so again, it's everything that leads up to the moment. I used to do the same thing. This might sound super morbid. I used to work at Department of Health and Human Services. My desk was right where the door where people from like applying for benefits come in. People come in for benefits notoriously have very low structure in their life because they refuse to have mental health issues and struggle with emotions. So every day I said, if somebody comes in, start shooting up the place, what are you going to do? Mm. I had like a 15 pound kettlebell. I said, well, I'm going to somehow use this. And if I get blown away, that's fine. But I said, if it happens, I'm doing this. If this happens, I'm doing this. If this happens, I'm doing this. That's the same thing. You, you have to, but we, we don't like taking the time. We're a hustle and bustle kind of culture. Mm. Boom, 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 boom. Productivity, productivity. Well, I would question what's real productivity. Yeah. Being busy or having effective moments, you know, and so it's quality over quantity. And so that's that's the biggest thing I would say is 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 do it before it happens and take time to understand what sensations you feel, which is not a manly thing to talk about. Yeah, that's right. Sensations, you know, like feeling. feeling. Yeah. It's like, but the funny thing is we can't ignore it because we clearly allow those things to dictate how we talk and how we move and how we behave. Anyways, yep. dude, it's so good. That story is so helpful. Of course, I'm being filmed in this, but I'm just shaking my head the whole time. So people watching it are probably like motion sickness, just watching my head here. But that's such yeah. a great way using that story to just walk us through our own stories, man. That is so wonderful. Yeah. There's so many things that you said there that I think are so great. Number one, just to be able to, to show it the way that you did. One of the things you said is that I got to tell a story the way that you'd like to be able to tell the story. And this really goes back to identity. When I hear you, yeah. this goes back to what I was saying about our standards in the fight club, that we would be men that are like the standard we want to be, the standard of Christ. And we can't yeah. do that. And you've mentioned this so well throughout this conversation of just when we're out of control and we don't have the emotional intelligence to do those things the right way, we we forfeit the story of saying, I'm, I'm like this man that I want to be. And that's the really unfortunate piece of this. And so if anger is controlling us, then that means the Holy Spirit is not. And we're telling mm -hmm. a story that we don't want to tell. You know, yeah. you're having to go yeah. tell a story to your daughter instead of it. You said it well, like instead of it being a teachable moment for her, it really became a teachable moment for you. <laughs> I'm yeah. learning that deal with that anger. Yeah, this you, you'd mentioned this and this is so, so good. I'd wrote this down here and. I've been reading in different places recently about when guys will say something like this, we'll say, you know, I'm going to try to be better next time that happens. I'm going to try. Yeah. And the scriptures never tell us to try. The scriptures yeah. teach us to train. And yeah. it's exactly what you're saying. And I think it's so good. And I hope that for all of our listeners today, for myself, I mean, I'm, this is, <laughs> I hope this comes and hits me, right? Like, as I've prayed about this going mm -hmm. into today, it's like, Lord speak. And this is one of the things I think yeah. he's speaking clearly to us in this emotional intelligence issue, this anger conversation is you need to stop trying and you need to start training. And you had mentioned this, this is a really interesting word to tie into this, but you mentioned a few times about you've used the word sobriety. And I think that's really fascinating because 
the Bible, I, I never, I've never connected the sobriety to being sober minded, which is just how slow I am more than anything. <laughs> yeah. But I love that connection because when I'm drunk, I'm out of control. My mind is not sober. I'm not in charge. Right. And the Bible uses the same language of sobriety when it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk with the Holy Spirit, meaning let it control you in the way that alcohol can. And the way that we do that is through training. So uh, I love what you're saying there. Is there anything else that you can think about along that lines, Nader, that men that are listening to this, I mean, put yourself out there. Like, like we're talking all the time like this. This is why I think it's so awesome. And I appreciate you jumping on here. What are some ways that we can train for these things? You mentioned one with kids. What about like in marriage or maybe in you're in a situation where you work at the state of Michigan? I hope that's okay to say that. Yep. We can block that if not. But uh, you work in a government setting. There's a lot of guys that at work, this is a huge struggle because they're just people. It's an unhealthy environment. Coworkers or bosses are trouble. Yeah. Right. And yep. what comes to your mind maybe when you think of those two different areas, maybe at home with your wife or maybe at coworkers? How do we train? Yeah. So let me comment real quick and leave all that I said in the past or back where it belongs, except for this. Before, the goal is not to, and I, I think it's an impossible goal, to not experience anger. So just to address that, so it's not, my goal is not to, my daughter, let's say my daughter hit her head on that dresser to be like, okay, let's go to the hospital. Maya, go to your room and think about what you did. That's not the goal because I clearly had I, some sort of energy that wanted to get out, but I said, I refuse to let this come out as anger. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm so just for anybody listening, I'm not saying like, you're not going to get angry. And that's like, you, you are going to have that temptation, but are you going to be able to divert it in a way that's helpful? Cause that energy is there. Like I just, that's why I couldn't look at her. Oh boy. And so just, just wanted to add that caveat now. So when, when it comes to, this is funny. So when it comes to work, so it's usually you have a coworker or boss that you're just not seeing eye to eye on right? You're like, our priorities are so out of whack. They're, they're very th- like, let me, I'll, I have an employee either past or present. I'm not going to kind of give that away where we had, a, my job is I work in workshops. We do workshops. So I'm depending on this other person to pick up where I stop or to help me when I'm tired or what have you. And I had a person that, <laughs> excuse me, I had a person that I, I I just felt constantly spoke without thinking. And that is like a pet peeve of mine. I tend to be somebody that I I hope, and I I value this, I'm not going to say something unless I feel compelled to. Like I I don't talk for the sake of talking. I like to think about what I'm going to say. I I process things internally. I'm very conscientious, almost hyper-conscientious. And so when I'm working with somebody where kind of my – my credibility is on the line. And I had this person who was just saying things and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, you're taking us all different directions. I start to tell myself stories that aren't helpful. I start to say this person's an idiot. I can't trust this person. I don't want to work with this person. This person isn't thoughtful. They don't care about the same things that I do. And I never run it by them (laughs) because I already have the story. I already believe I'm the expert on this person. And I think we do that a lot at work and and that's where we get in trouble is are like do you ever question the stories you're telling yourself 
because a lot of the stories we just have accepted and moved on with. And again, much of this is, is do we have the self-awareness? Do we have the people in our corner that this is why having a coach is really helpful. This is why I have a coach. This is why, you know, I am a coach. This is why for my friends, I am informally a coach is because you have to have people that ask questions, invest in you and challenge you back because we will tell you a story. You'll tell yourself a story that gives you only one road to go down. I'm right. They're wrong. They're a jerk. They're an idiot. And you do that with your spouse. I don't care who you are. You have stories that give you only one option to go. And we tell ourselves this story too. Christians, my, my wife tells me all the time, she's like, I think I'm just a, I'm a terrible mom, which to me, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense from what I'm seeing. But she, she has either inherited the story or reaffirmed it in some way or another. And I said, if you, if you're telling yourself this story, like this, the, I already know the ending of the story. Mm -hmm. And so are you, are you challenging the story you're telling yourself to give yourself more options, right? Again, with my coworker, instead of saying she doesn't think before she talks, I could say she's an external processor. She's got to get it out first, right? That changes the tenor of how I see that person. This person is no longer incompetent or getting in the way of what I think is important. Yep. This person is trying to get where I'm getting to. They're just doing it differently. Yep. So it's depending on the story you're telling changes your view on this person. But we hardly ever challenge those yeah. because we don't know how to, and we're not even aware that it's happening in our minds. Yeah, and if I can just jump in and say one thing too, it just makes me think not only that, but we also aren't man enough to go have that hard conversation. So it only yeah, stays in our yeah. mind. That's not really what we're dealing with today, but that's another piece of this. No, totally. Well, no, but that that is that is an important. Again, we can be cowards, yep. and I think part of what feeds into that is I already know what I need to know, right? We're, we're, we can, the Arikans can, I know what I need to know. That's fine. My cup is full of information. So anything you're telling me is just going to flow. I already know. I've already made the story yeah. up. So, and, and so I would say that's, that's the biggest advice that I take away with my coworkers and understanding, again, being aware in the moment of when something's happening. So like when I'm in a meeting with this coworker and she's saying stuff, and I'm just like, oh, brother, am I aware that like my body language is putting that off? What sensations am I feeling? I'm feeling like I'm totally closed off to what this person is saying. Yep. And so in the moment I could say, that, man, that is, there's nowhere else to go with this than just being frustrated, which then leads to bitterness and anger. That's it. And I don't want those things. Do I want to be a person of bitterness and anger or do I want to be a person of healing reconciliation? Yeah, that's right. Well, then I better freaking catch myself. But how do I do that? Scripture, prayer, community, having an advocate. Like, again, me and you, this is this is why, for anybody listening, this is why me and Nate's relationship, to me, it's been so powerful. It's because I can be completely honest with him. And, and he's he, he'll point things out if I say something weird, <laughs> you know, and I expect him to. Yeah. He's asked me my thoughts on things. And, again, it, saying it in a way that gives life not breaks people down too i love it you know i love it i love that you know you pointed back to scripture i think that's been one of the huge issues in a man's life is we don't know god's word and we don't know the power that god has to change us you know you had mentioned earlier mm -hmm. just like we were trained by parents and that's true but yeah. in christ it's a wrong expression to say well i just was raised this way 
it's that's not exactly. true. I mean, it's it's not true yeah. to stay there because there is a power in God. But if you don't know God's word and you don't have life giving community, if you're not trying to grow, if you ref- if you're refusing to train and practice yes. how this would go, then you are it, you are ignoring all that God has placed in your life in all of those different meaningful ways. And so a, yeah. a lot of this is just a challenge to us as Christian men to fight for full life in Christ. Christ said, I come that they might have life and have it to the fullest. And one of the premises of this ministry is that we're not experiencing that. And I think it's for all these same reasons. We're ignoring community. We're lone rangers. We stay by ourselves. We stay in our head. We refuse to learn new things. You know, we don't practice learning. We don't practice expressing how we feel. We don't talk to God and we don't know what God's talking to us. And so in all of those ways, you're going to not experience the life that is possible in Christ if we refuse those things. And, and just to, for time's sake here, Nader, in the last you know, maybe yeah. five or 10 minutes to make sure we, we can get you moving forward with your day. It makes me think, speak to, for just a second here, what's at stake as we kind of wrap this conversation up? You mentioned earlier the idea that having enough like wisdom to see where is this going to lead to if I don't control anger, but it controls me. What What's at stake in our lives as men if we let anger lead the way? That's a good question. <clears throat> well, I think the biggest thing that's at stake, and I'm going to, I'm going to bring up that book unoffendable. What's at stake is, is you will create a wedge between people who need you in their lives and need to hear the story of the gospel and to feel this. You will put a wedge between you and and those kind of people that need to hear it because you are not, you're, I'm using a phrase you use. You are no longer an uncommon man, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? You are, you're just like everything else. The world even people of the world know the world judges them and they know they can't meet that, that whatever it is that is demanded of them from the world. But Christ says, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. But do we make it so for people who need that message? Does our anger get in the way of that? Because anger feeds into the idea of, of people being unacceptable to us. So the, like I have a sister who I want to come to Christ, but I know full well my anger has done damage in our relationship in the past. And she will hold on to that for a very long time. And I have to say, yeah, that that was me. You know, even, even if I, I feel like I've taken steps to reconcile that and to do things, she's always looking out for that. And that's on me because she should have been doing something I thought she should have. And when you don't, I'm angry, you know, and who am I? Again, I heard a pastor say, do you get, do you get cleaned up before you jump in the shower? Mm. (laughs) Like, no, as Christians, we absolutely should be ex. You hear that scream? They need a lesson on this. (laughs) As soon as you leave. (laughs) Doggone it. As soon as I leave, I'm getting my buckskin belt. I'm going to keep this recording Um, after I tell you I'm turning it off to see what you really do. (laughs) Yeah. Let's see if he's really a man. No. Rose, oh, oh crap! See, kids, man, I can't work from home anymore. This is impossible. It's untenable. All right, so, so I was saying, I was saying how, 
when when we believe that somebody needs to get right like we can't believe that they would do this we get angry we, we cause a divide we miss out on an opportunity to show that like like come as you are uh, my anger has nothing should have no 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 place with somebody who who was just looking to be accepted somewhere. That's not what I wanted to say. I can't remember. No, that's a great man. That's such a strong point. Actually, I hadn't, I hadn't considered that about what that is doing. And it makes me think of, again, I'm internalizing this, like we all do when we hear story, which is so strong. That's why stories are so, so important, but I'm thinking of the conversation with my child that just kind of ticked me off and how out of control I was in that it, it, it loses i lose some moral authority in that person's life because i wasn't able to allow the holy spirit to change me like he wants to and and i had wrote down here nader just like some things that came to my mind when i think of what's at stake communication breakdown which just leads to relational breakdown and these are typically with people i mean it can be people at work that maybe we're not super close with but when I can't control my feelings and emotions, it leads to saying things I didn't mean to say or saying them in ways I wish I wouldn't have used those words, which causes hurt feelings. You mentioned that with your sister. Think about with your spouse, fellas, or your children. But it also it ultimately leads to no joy or peace in my own heart. I don't really have that yeah. peace. Like Think about how different your response was to your child and how... It, it allowed you to have peace and joy in your own heart because you handled it better. We forfeit that when we don't do this. And last thing that I thought was important to think about for us guys in this conversation is that we pass it on to our kids. So you had mentioned that like grandparents passed it to your parents. Now you have it. And rather than beating ourselves up over this, what I want to leave guys with today is that you have such an amazing opportunity to be the man that God made you to be. And that's our mission state here. I want to be a man that tells a different story. And that's not blaming on my parents. I, they broke some chains and it's our job to break new ones. So I really appreciate this conversation. I want to say, is there any last things that you would say to men? And then lastly, anything that you would recommend in terms of resources or books or anything like that that comes to mind, scripture re- references, things like that. Yeah. So I, I did remember what I wanted to say, and it, it, it'll lead into this. As Christians, especially as Christian men, we we should be the absolute experts on the human condition. Mm. And I what I mean by that is when somebody does something and you want to feel outraged, that should you. I mean, to you, you should say, yeah, that's what that's why Christ came. That's exactly why Christ came. Why am I outraged? And now why do I want to create a separation between me and that person? Because those people will feel yeah. it. Right. We should be experts on the human condition and fully expect the behavior that we do see in the world. Doesn't mean the thing is, it doesn't mean we ex- we're, oh, we're good with it. No, but we're saying, like, I expect that from you. That's why I want you to come to Jesus. And I, and I trust that your relationship with Christ will sort that out. I'm not Christ. I'm not the Holy Spirit. And so I, I brought it up, the book Unoffendable by Brent Hansen. Easiest book ever to read. And I don't know how you can come away saying like, 
I'm going to cling on to anger. I think there is righteous anger. I mean, he uses scripture. He uses just amazing anecdotes. It's boom right there. Another one, there is a book called, it's called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. It is written by Travis Bradbury, which is a funny name. In that, what that book, what I like about that book is it's practical because emotional intelligence has four main quadrants, managing yourself, and managing your relationships. Can't remember the other two right now. Sorry. But what it does is it gives you half the book is teaching you what exactly it is you're trying to be aware of. And then the other half of the book is here are practical stories and practical practical wisdom on how to manage your relationships and your emotions because most of the more, more higher functioning people like CEOs they've they've shown that like CEOs have incredibly high emotional intelligence and that is a contributing factor as to why they're where they're yeah. at they're high performance people because when they're in a meeting and somebody's pissing them off they're not lashing out they're taking a sip of water they're breathing through it and then it gives them perspective they can think clearly it's just small things like that there's no magic bullet. It's just, again, it's like training. It's, you know, I'm, I'm practicing and running a few miles a day for the marathon. You're not running a marathon every day. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to do yeah. that, you know? So that's right. That's probably, yeah. I'll leave no, that's that. awesome. That, that's so good. In the uh, unoffendable and the emotional intelligence 2.0, I'll, I'll put links to those in the show notes. And then also I'll, I'll yeah. add those to my Amazon store. So anybody listening, if there's, you want to know some great resources or books i've got a section there for books that i love and we'll add those there in the show notes as well so nate thank you so much for jumping on and doing this and lending your your wisdom <laughs> and thoughts to this thing i mean i feel like there's so many great practical takeaways here and and so many more conversations that i want to have with you on this so hopefully you'll come yeah. back on and we'll be able to share some more conversations that we have just like this all the time. So thank you for jumping on here. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks yeah. for having me. So guys, listen, if you are dealing with, and I know you are because you're human, dealing with anger issues, the point of this is to point you to Christ and to get right with him and to turn to scripture. Nate started off with Ephesians 4. And so maybe you just start there and just recognizing that, you know, God has a power in his ability not your ability. And this is encouraging for us. If this is an issue in your life that you need to switch and change, then you can become a man of honor and discipline and strength and joy. And that's what we're praying for. So thanks for joining us today. We'll look forward to checking out more conversations with Nate in the future. All right. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks guys.
Hey guys, thanks so much for being here today and listening to the show. Please be sure to head over to the website at getinthefight.club. And before you go, if you haven't already, please subscribe, click the like button, and leave us a positive five-star review. It makes a huge difference whenever you do. Have a great day. Go get in the fight.